0: Hello everybody and greetings. This is Tavo D'Arcy and we're at Cross Body Unity trying to make the book of Ephesians for community a part of real life and Christian ministry, training, outlook, and getting along for a witness of a transformed community which reflects the true Christ, not the misogynist Christ, not the busybody Christ, not the too busy Christ, not the ambitious Christ, but the real deal. And I want to ask this, how many people really think that Jesus Christ was white? That has really bothered me. I never felt like that, but because people are like that, and you meet people of dark skin and white who seem to think that in this situ- in you know in America that it's the white colonial Jesus, the slave master, because of the lack of education and the lack of you know it's such a frustration. So I just want people to know that I went on to the chat GPT-AI for myself. I made an article under the title on TevoLeader.com, oh, probably July of 23 or so, before or after. And I was doing a column called the AI and I, which I do time to time, because I like to know stuff myself. I want to hear, am I right? So I asked a couple of things. I have several of those up there, but one of them was, where does the white race come from? The Caucasian light-skinned people groups come from? And I put the title of the article, I believe it was, was Jesus White, looking for the white Jesus. So here's what we found. The chat GPT AI said, I said, now where does the Caucasian light-skinned people come from? It said Africa. They come from Africa. Africa. That's what I thought. I'll be honest. I always thought that because I think Adam and Eve, they would have come in a brownish color. They would have had all the colors in them and then things would have gone on through life that, you know, brought out all the different kinds of facets and mixed races and things. So what it said was, chat GPTAI, June or July, around this year of 2023, it said the caucasian race started tigris euphrates area which to me sounds adam and evish and garden of eden and it said that later i said how did they get white then and it said later they moved to different places and because of the environment the sun and all those things they developed things like that so i think that's pretty cool Another thing that I asked, and I've said it many times lately because I'm trying to get it out there. This is probably my eighth time to say it, but I'll say it. I asked chat AI another time about submission because it's so popular now, especially with television ministry followers and the people who say they're under the famous ministers, Uh, about submission. There's that huge doctrine out in the field that's really spirit-filled, tongue-talking, charismatic. It's not me. I was not raised around it. But it's in many a congregation, and the men believe it, and the women believe it. So we're going to talk about it just to clarify this, because I wanted to know I was never around that as a Christian pastor's daughter who was not famous and also who was a not a patrician, and he was not a Levitical patriarch. He was the head of home, esteemed head of home, but he lived in Ephesians 5 21, which is mutual submission and the fear of the Lord, which is what my fellow family did, both parents, their grandparents and my aunt and uncle, people I know in everyday life, so forth. So I wanted to know chat GPT AI, same time frame July or June of two thousand twenty three. I said, Now back in the first church was Jesus. Paul all the first apostles the whole congregation all the fellowships and the families were all the community were all the marriages husband and wives all living it out in servant leadership Ephesians 5:21 and chat gpt said they all lived in Ephesians 5:21 mutual submission in the fear of the lord so, you got to question where do the authoritarians come from that believe they're in tr- control? Where does this controlling nature of Christian ministry and the fine arts groups, especially maybe, and the cult spirit and all these things come from in a Christian sense? And I said, well, where did the authoritarians come in? Were there authoritarians and totalitarians? totalitarians in the first church. And GPT said to me, it said, there were no authoritarians or totalitarians in the first churches. That came later after the influences of Rome and Greece, Hellenism affected the churches. So therefore, if that is going on now, and that is widespread, which it really is, It needs to be delivered and addressed and corrected. And that's what we're doing to let people know about it. I want to explain that, though. I know there are all these different people with different kind of personalities, different types of testosterone levels. There's all sorts of people that are flamboyant and not by nature, by family, by culture, by tribe. I'm not trying to say don't have fun, don't be yourself, but you got to know there is a limit to this to say people are not being respected. It has gotten dysfunctional that people are not even respected, that are not famous, that are not your style. That look different. That have a gendered, you know, like females and males. That big deal, racism. It is still there when a stranger, a female, walks into the church. If that false teaching and that false perception, that is, you know, of the that the common men are not valuable, that the ordinary person, that if you have a mean streak or you have a bias or you're in Jezebel witch watch consciousness, which is so huge, so discouraging, then you got to work on that you got to work on that, because that is not, we have proof, it wasn't in the first church. So why is it in the last church? Why? Because perilous times will come, says Paul, and people, even God's people, God forbid, but they are, they even the churches are lovers of themselves. you got to be, sweet baby Jesus, turn the other cheek walk the extra mile, forgive everybody, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do, and we do, and we have, but this still keeps on going, so you got to instead rise up, like, and man up, human up, like grown-up Jesus, and love them enough to tell them the truth, love them enough to say it's sick out there in certain places, the fruit is that bad, it's rancid, because it's it's a va- there is no Holy Ghost because there's no holy fear of the Lord in some of these places. Really, it's that bad. Usually, I've never ever in my life ever talked this strongly, and I am now because the time is too late to play around with this monkey business. It is just, it is just a factional bastion of playtime, showbiz, demas, and rock and roll. And you know what? I like rock and roll. I'm not against that rhythm or volume, but I'm saying it is playtime showbiz in too many places where this fruit exists. And we want to strengthen what remains or God's going to remove it. God bless you. He loves you. Tavo DRC signing up over and out. Good morning and welcome everybody. This is Tavo DRC. Let's celebrate the goodness of the Lord. And let's celebrate the goodness of the Lord here at Crossbody Unity as we examine, analyze, repeat a few things to get it out there, and also assess and evaluate, but stop point of Christian accusing a fellow Christian or trying to murder somebody just to prove we want our way that we know more. We're trying to settle back. And just relax and hear God for ourselves. And it's about time. <clears throat> the goal of this podcast today is about Christian ministry. Who, what, why, and where, how is it organic to the first church? Now I realize we live in the celebrity age. You've got media. There's nothing wrong with media. It's how we balance the teaching with respect down at the grassroots where not everyone is famous. Not everybody goes to church. And we know why. And many people, you may some of them go to two churches. It's not a sin to go to more than one church. You need to find where God sends you and fellowship with the saints and then be there to serve repeatedly, to plug in if God leads you. But if not, we understand why. So we're going to teach both sides of this. So my dad was a pastor. My father was a great pastor. He's up with the Lord. Not a great pastor in the fact that he was famous or even a great speaker, but he was a great father. And I saw him as a great a Christian who is not great in the world's eyes or in the system, but he was great behind the scenes with my mom, his only love, his parents, me, my sister, people at the grocery store. And that's what I go back to. I can go back to walking up to, into town. We lived in a very small town But he was a real Christian on and off the stage, a servant leader, humorous, mirthful, not a Bible thumper, didn't have a lot of colleagues. He was a real family man, and I grew up like that, and I really respect that. That's probably the thread, the fabric of society, of any race or any color in our nation or every nation that has a bedrock of sanity, safety, and respect that is functioning So we can go back that far and many people may not be able to because God gave me grace. Nobody could have earned it. But in hindsight, I guess he saw I needed this perspective when I got out later into what I now call the countryfied law, gentrified, media-soaked entertainment, but also good quality, a lot of good quality, good people out there in the mixture of it, the mixture, the limited mixture of it. So we know, by God's mercy, the body of Christ, I'll be telling my testimony, which I have, and the Lord sent me at age 24, as I knew the Lord myself, and I was a Jesus person, Billy Graham type background at the time. Before the faith movement came, before charismatic, I never knew, you know, nobody grew up like that. We were Baptists, and respectful to all races. Along the way, the Lord seasoned me, as Paul used those terms. He fashioned me into his minister. This minister now, a little bit different, a lot of it different from a lot of you. But it was to do it for some reason, which is now to, to break some ties, to break some uh, misunderstandings, to plug in some gaps, and teaching at the grassroots and start again. I think everybody needs permission to, I've needed permission not to be rules-conscious, but to hear God for myself, Bible-conscious, weed out the law, weed out the law which attacks people, Phariseeism, accusation. And God wants to do this now. So by giving everyone freedom, giving you God's permission to hear God for yourself, you're not doing anything evil, occult, rebellious, non-submitted, even though they want to say that, certain ones. You're going back to, really, Apostle Paul, apostle paul who said follow me only if i follow christ so you have my permission with this person here or anybody in the nation and i do too you got to make sure it's really in the bible and we're talking to christians now anybody else is always welcome and valued respected but we understand how difficult it is for the christian to figure it out and we you know if you're going to have a a healthy representation of jesus we've got to do it more accurately, more down-to-earth, more respectfully, and not Levitical patriarchism and or racism or class conscious. It's got to be Jesus-centered, not us-centered. Well, during the term, the time I grew, the media started, and the media started to get big, and I went into professional ministry, my own ministry call, in 1980s, mid-80s, in Virginia, and it was not famous. It was just low-key. I was teaching to begin with in a megachurch of the day, which was 1200. That was 1200 megachurch back then. But really, I came from small ministry, grassroots ministry, everyday people ministry in my Christian family who were business and ministry servant leaders. And I want to honor that because that is what we want now. Whether you go to a big church or small, it should have that same feeling of organic. What is Organic. Organic is, in first church sense, Jesus Christ sense, not under the law backstabbing sense. Organic means without any human synthetic additives. It's pure, pure motive. It may be make mistakes because we're human. Only Christ was the only percent, a hundred percent, two hundred and fifty percent, hundred true doctrinator. You know, true doctrine teacher, and our living it out disciple. So we are here to say we want to get more, you know, better by grace, by God's granted grace and a lot of effort, a lot of healing, a lot of teaching, a lot of forgiving, a lot of clearing up misunderstanding. Over here, I'm going to teach Selahs, like Paul. Paul said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Once you meet the Lord, you're saved, then work it out with God, time, prayer, Bible study, people teaching you good, sound teaching and mentoring. But for the Lord's body of Christ, we want to. What are the wheat and the tares? What is the soulishness versus the spirit? What is the occult and witchcraft and psychology that's now in there versus the book of Acts? This is a solemn word, even though I have great joy. But it has been so difficult to figure this out. It's been so difficult to fellowship in the last few charismatic, showbiz, increasing, tough years that it really caused me to rise up on behalf of Jesus at his leading and discuss the doctrine primarily of Levitical patriarchy and matriarchy found in a lot of the Phariseism nouveau riche, Phariseeism culture of a, of a once great movement, and it still is great, but it can be greater if it represents organic, healthy. Respect, fairness to all people, all visitors, all cultures, white black brown and within its own group definition organic is without human synthetic additives we go back to the first church we read through it we see how did jesus act and react in every relationship this is you're gonna when you read it through the eyes of christ in his relationships in matthew mark luke and john when he was alive on the earth before he suffered and died on the cross, rose up in victory, went to heaven, left the church to the disciples and apostles, even us. Then we need to see how Jesus did it when he was alive, out in public with his mother Mary, with soldiers, centurions, with little children, with males, with females, with saints and sinners. And we want to know what in the world is going on now, that his picture of his character, his heart, his life, His soul, mind, will, and emotions is the soul, is not represented often when you have Phariseeism, accusation, witchcraft. Witchcraft is false teaching, using to get power in really different kinds of ways from evil eye, undermining, backbiting, plotting, hierarchy that's used wrongly, a lot of things. This is in our nation And I can't deal with the whole nation. And I'm not accusing people. I'm saying we just didn't know it. Or now you do. But I'm saying until the church gets it. And repents from it. And seeks to be the Christ that came to help the poor. To love the poor. To respect people. That was kind hearted. Compassionate. Wept with those who wept. Didn't try to fix them with a formula. Then we're going to keep on being dysfunction in the nation. What does it say in Ephesians 4? Paul writes, Everyone in the body of Christ, from aged to young, are trained to walk it out in relationship respect. Walk it out in meekness and lowliness, with long-suffering, endeavoring to keep the bond of peace together. That means it will take work, effort, and trying. Also, good teaching. If we fall down, we get back up and repent and move on. Also, Ephesians 4 is the goal to say the transformed community, if you read down through it, the transform community, it's on the same page, offices, ministers, leaders, parents, elders, lay, because they're trained. It says that is what affects society. And this is why we're teaching, because society is not affected. It's been a lot of things going on. So I'm repeating a lot right now until we get into this more, because it needs to be. When we look at Ephesians 4, there were teachings that were known to the church as the common doctrine to make sure everybody knows them. These are not legalism, but they are a sign of a true Christian, especially number one. Now, Number one says that if you're a real Christian, you're going to believe this because you're well-trained. You're going to believe there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the father of us all. So the one Lord means Jesus Christ is Lord. You can look around and there are other scriptures and acts that say that. You can say that he was sent the only way to heaven, to the Father and all that. But you got to know it. If nobody believes it or nobody teaches it, you won't know it. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, the Christian faith, the baptism in water like Christ went in water. I'm not going to say it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, book of Acts, because people use different terminology. All right, one Lord, one faith, when baptism, when God, the Father of us all. Who's the Father? He's the multicultural dad, the creator father of Christ, who designed royally and richly with many ideas of tribes, nation, vibes, people's gifts and talents of all different colors. When I was in Dallas, Texas, I had a vision a little mini picture, a little word of the Lord that came unto me when I was walking in my McKinney town home And out of the blue, the Lord said, Tell them I'm a lot more brown. I'm a lot browner than they think I am. And I laughed because I thought, That's right, think how many black people and brown people and tan people are on this earth. God loves them. So we want to remember that, some of us who are not used to multicultural." So this is designed to be cross-cultural, that Jesus Christ was not white, he was not a colonial, he was not an aristocrat, he was a servant leader. And I have many details in depth to go into this, but we're trying to skim through it today. So we want to start everybody off with this one. We want to remind that Jesus Christ, who is the prophet, you know, a lot of people emphasize the word prophet, apostle, teacher, and the big, you know, the big elevated ministry, and that can be good or bad. But we're trying to make this everybody approachable, no matter what. You can have a spirit of greatness, but you can also have a spirit of excellence at every budget level. Famous, not at the grocery store, shining shoes, whatever. God's greatness is what matters. So Jesus went about the office prophet, the Messiah of the universe, you know, of the world, of the church. And he went about doing good, Acts ten thirty That is an organic statement about Christ. He went about, he related, he was led by the Father. He just didn't blindly go, you know, stumbling around. But when the Lord said go, he did, and he spoke to people. So the assignment, the goal from this teaching and this ministry right now is to uncover a way of communicating and conveying and methodology that resembles the humble Christ who came and loved everybody And it was pictured in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the relationships. So you go about looking at Jesus, who is Middle Eastern in a culture filled with Africans and Asians and uh, Jews and Gentiles and misfits and Cretans and barbarians and Romans and demoniacs roving around, idolaters, little kids, parents who are trying to find the best for their lives. You know, a lot of people, just like right now. It was pre-Christian and now it's post-Christian around the world. Let us hear God for ourselves, though, because you have your own culture, your own life, your own tribe, your own ideas, and your own revelation of Christ that you want to let people know about. That is super, because I don't know it all, and you don't either. And if we get different visions or ideas, revelations to teach that are truly organic, lined up with the Bible, that are not, you know, to me, I think a lot of people are messianic. They go and they need identity. <clears throat> Excuse me. People who are quote messianic, unless they're really raised Jewish, they really are adding on things that I don't, that I know real Jews, and I went to a Jewish fellowship, Jewish Christian fellowship, and those are the most down to earth, humble, intelligent, but non flaky people. They didn't do all that stuff that a lot of messianics do. They didn't flat, you know, hit people with banners and all these things. I'm not, you know, that's your choice. Your banners. I've never been a banner kind, frankly. Exactly. My banner is the good news, you know, Jehovah Nisi. My banner, that kind of banner, I'll go for that. So th- when you tag on and you think I'm going to look like Jesus, and he was Jewish and he didn't eat shellfish, you know, you make all this stuff up. I think that it's open for grabs how you feel it. There are things that are Christian that are important, such as one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father of all. And then there's your choice to hear God in your own relationship and your revelation with Him. What we want, want to do later is discuss how you can agree and how you can disagree without getting into a fight, causing division, causing um, con, you know, con, you know, mixture or whatever the bad publicity for jesus that everybody's fighting just like they always did but i don't mean compromising it's how you do it with a relationship respect and abiding in james 317 the fruit of james 317 love joy peace patience goodness meekness self-control and uh that was the fruit of the spirit excuse me that's needed too. james 317 the wisdom that comes from above pure peaceable easily entreated Easily entreated, that's the word. Easily entreated, full of mercy and good fruit, without partiality and without hypocrisy. So we're going to live it up, but we're going to have a balance, a big balance of respect. Nobody knows it all. Nobody understands it all. Nobody, poor me, has long-suffering you, has seen it all, endured it all. Only Jesus Christ endured it all for our sake. Organic, the bottom line, organic is without human synthetic additives. When I look at the age in which we live, we look at the media, the effect of television media, which is not all bad. It can be really good. All right. <clears throat> but if you look at Christian media TV, it's usually the baptism of the Holy Spirit crowd, which I'm for baptism of the Holy Spirit crowd. We're crossed by the unity. We can hang with either kind. But I'm also looking at the difference in 40 years ago of a generation, let's say starting with Billy Graham, who is a healthy example. But then we go to Jim Baker. When I came on the scene for ministry, my own ministry had been my—you know—my father was a pastor, but I went off and grew up and had my own home and heard the Lord had the baptism of the Holy Spirit at age 20 in college. He didn't believe in that, but my mom and sister later did my aunt and relatives but the idea is we want to grow slowly and take it easy and not and we want to liberate ourselves from the form of bias the form of our for no more clubby false authority people are indifferent and un and rude demeaning and divining people when they come to visit a church that's really it But if you look at the teaching that affects the grassroots, it's like media and is kin, the media effect with now brainwashing and YouTube and everywhere you go online. I'm online a lot. I like online, but we understand the balance. When you see the word organic, we want to find out the organic Christ, even though right now he'd have his worship team. You know, we don't know if he would or not, but he'd have a lot of TV, perhaps, or media. But he's training us. He wants us to listen to him now about how we do it, how I do it, how you do it, and what you're saying and acting like, resembling. But I picture the growth of media. In this age, to the saints, is like the ConAgra business, such as Monsanto, that came on the scene and bought up all the cropland and put additives, harmful additives, in the wheat crop, for example you can have hormones in the meat, you can have all sorts of things. Now we don't even know exists, which is out there now, but I'm looking at back a couple of decades when organic farm farming came on the scene. It wasn't organic. They were buying up the croplands to make more money, so it's about profit. You know it's about profit and expansion to make more profit and to be economically fiscal so they can make more profit. So the buying up of the farmland was to make a handful rich now i believe looking back that the people who are now known and worldwide famous and many are wealthy have grown wealthy through it didn't know it didn't plan it were in it we're not doing it falsely some might have been but i don't believe they were occult i don't believe they were wanting you know fan clubs i don't believe but then media and hollywood also have contributed So what we don't have is a lot of mature at the grassroots, a lot of healthy balance of really knowing their Bible at the grassroots. And only because I knew Bible, because my parents were, and their parents were like that, Bible scholars, and they held me accountable growing up, that I would, in a Billy Graham sort of way, that I really watch for my the doctrine I listened to and I watched and I noticed this false of spiritual authority teaching come on in the scene in the eighties with growth of mega and famous Christians really did. There is iron sharpens iron and there's line upon line. So we're doing that. We're submitting it as Sila. but I'm saying that I do know the difference in how I see denominationals, African-Americans, most a lot of them, uh, my own family and the submission teaching are different Submission is strict. Submission is too strict. It's watching people. It creates Phariseeism. It creates, you know, us against that. You know, we're better than they because they're not submitted like I, all that. Excuse me. So I'm going there. I'm really going there because it affects the people who attend that are innocent. It affects the way Jesus is presented. It protects. It is. It is. I I submit it to you. In Ephesians five twenty one, that's all I believe the Bible is, and Chat GPT said that in the summer of two thousand twenty three. The whole church was Ephesians five twenty one, mutual submission in the fear of the Lord, and that is even marriage to offices. I asked that. That's how I was raised. You know, everybody defers to the other. If I'm in your house, your ministry, your home, I defer to you because you are the head of the home. It's chain of command. This is chain of command, not big boss, empowered false authority. It is the real deal. It's you know respectful servant leader. In fact, that's what chat GPT said. Everybody was a servant leader till later when Rome and <clears throat> when Rome and um Greek influences came in that's when the authoritarian rose on the scene in the churches and the totalitarianisms and i asked i said well was there one at the same time was there one group of ministers over all the rest was one group of or a person over the rest of the christian ministers and it said "Nope, they ruled by consensus everybody prayed in their little subgroup And they heard God, they compared it, and the majority, I guess, uh, you know, felt that was right. So they did it in a community sense, not big shot, not under the law. When I have time, I'll go through a lot of things that are very important for salvation. To make sure people are really saved, they're really hearing the right message. But the idea, nobody knows it all, nobody can do it all, and I can't. I just need more prayer. I need prayer to focus. I need prayer for the right people, the right fellowship. I need the right places and then helpers in his time. And really, how? here's the next thing. We have not taken money in. We have not gone after it. We've not been highfalutin. We've get, lived low. God wanted that. Because we're trying to start again to get everybody on a page where the Christian offering, taking up money, tithes, income, is not despised as it was in the day of Eli. The offering of the Lord in the day of high temple Eli, and you read the good old boy, the um, misuse, abuse, accusation of women, of, of persons, as well as the offering of the Lord, abuses with the offering of the Lord by the high priests of the day, Eli's sons, and his, which were his staff, and Eli, who did nothing, he was indifferent. That brought down that whole group the whole subculture of priests and offices at that day. And instead, God used that to cleanse and usher in a new day, which was Samuel, the first prophet of the nation of Israel. Well, when we start the old back, you know, backstory on me, I go back to where I was raised non-competitive in ministry. Everybody low-key, servant leader, do what God says, males and females, women were capable at ministry, but it wasn't like... You know, showbiz. It was just like, everybody do what's good that the Lord said. Now, when we go to the Jim Baker age and the Jim Swaggart age, is where I started the ministry, the encouraging word back then. That's when the offering of the Lord began to be despised on a worldwide basis and in America and every locality and every church, practically. And I was there to see it, and I went to the Lord about it. And I said, Lord, what about this? Cause I had a family member that got cynical. I had a female friend who was, had donated, and she always said, praise the Lord this, praise the Lord that. And she stopped praising the Lord. So I saw it. Only because of God's mercy and his love for me and grace, I did not feel cynical. I didn't, I did. just. I was concerned at what the cynicism and accusation was about ministry ever since. But I knew that people are human and that they did repent and God forgave them. But I knew it was a big deal to learn from. So I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, what about this? And he gave me a scripture, Micah 7, 5, which is for today right now. And the word back in the 80s was, Micah 7, 5, do not put your confidence in in your neighbor. Do not put your confidence in a guide. Do not put your confidence in the one who lies beside you in bed. Only put your confidence in God. And I thought, that's it. Let's train everybody. If you're in ministry, don't put their confidence in me or you only in God. But you know what? It was the opposite. I didn't have a lot of influence. I did share it with the head preacher, you know, the pastor where I was of 1200. But, you know, it's just like nobody could have foreseen this. And now we have superstars and celebrities. And it's almost like, <coughs> pardon me. <coughs> it's like um i'm for apollos no i'm for i'm for famous so and so i'm for this name or that name which is paul's anathema in 1 corinthians 1 and 3 let's go back because see right now we got people who don't like they don't know who jesus is why he came what he stood for they don't like church they don't like christians because the christians have been that bad because the christians are that misogynist the christmas the christians are that biased and totalitarian and and thorny ornery listen i didn't know how bad it was how they blasphemed the lames lord the lord's name good name in ministry so i moved to the deep southwest for 15 years i have never been anything like it to cause me to get this (laughs) to rise up to rise up and I had been down there noticing the disrespect for females. I'd never been around that until then. Never in my life have I ever been a lip women's liber. Felt there was chauvinist against me, misogynist plotting, cult watching I have never been to anything like it till the Deep South for 15 years, and I saw it full force and full blast, and I thought, this is ministry. This is what they're doing to people. This is what, who, and what, and why, and it was Levitical patriarchism, shepherding movement. So I started to get bolder, and the fear wore off, and the need of emergency. It's about how big it is in parts of the nation, including there. But it also showed me how weak the Bible, the levels of ministry are that say they're Christian, that say that and they're accusing people, they're indifferent, they're mean, they're cagey. All these fruit things are lack of character, lack of God's heart, lack of holy fear of the Lord. And it stirred me up. And before I left, before COVID shut everything down, I came up here in 2020, mid-year after COVID opened it up. And I would met a couple that were a black African-American couple in, it was North Dallas where I lived. And they had, they called me up one day and said the wife had a vision, a dream for me and wanted to tell me. Well, I'd been getting myself before that, that God wanted me to be this bold, to be bolder, because see, I was pretty quiet. I knew it was wrong, but I thought, what? You know, I felt sheepish. I felt insecure about being so bold and brash, which I am now like Jesus turning over the money changers tables because it is about mammon usually mostly. So they call me up and this really nice couple called me up and said, what is it? She said, well, I had a dream that God wants you to be bolder. I went, all right, it's confirmed. And then they said this, the pastor said it because we were in North Dallas and my discovery, I think was North Dallas I was there in other places like Fort Worth, but mostly North Dallas throughout. And so the pastor said, the mature pastor, black servant leader said, you know, it's really hard for us to plant a church. I think he was in the colonies, called colonies. It's really hard for us to plant a church. I said, why? He says, because the people are in need of nothing. I went, that's what this is this is what it's been where there's no fear of the lord and there's the plotting and there's the dysfunction and there's the bowing and scraping and there's the poor me pitiful appearing psychological prophet who won't speak to you and is no love wow biased never, and then in indifferent to the stranger, indifferent, and typecasting. I had never been around typecasting, being stereotyped, and I realized I triggered it. God needed me to understand it. When I get stereotyped, it's only by one kind, because I figured, you know, if they're racially profiling me, hey, that's what it is, stereotyping somebody, dismissing you as your... I thought, you know, must be because I'm a female. I didn't know it. So now I do, and I thought, every time this happens... When they're that dysfunctional, that abnormal, uh, where they don't even know Jesus, the servant leader Jesus, where they're that official that they now are can afford to dismiss people, they are. They are able to selectively respect and choose who they want in their particular brand of the beloved, their branch. I went, wow! Therefore, the grace of God go I, so I started to racially profile them back, and I started really understanding that when I outside of Richmond when I was in Richmond I'd go to conferences and one particular one in 1998 I noticed how I triggered a stereotype of some kind of evil thing just for walking up to say hello which I had done many times they were white it's only been white that's done it to me frankly every single time only one kind not and most people are pleasant and they can have a pleasant side but if you're a leader and you want to say hi if you want to be a normal person and have, uh, you know, just to be a a congenial visitor or compliment them, there should not be a demonic display of false teaching and demonic hostility when you walk toward them. That shows there's a demon that I trigger, and thankfully I knew people that were not like that, the majority of people. But it was so bad, I thought, wow, let me study it back. What is in this doctrine? That's how it started, frankly. I started studying it back, and... um. It's usually papal ministry. People have arrived, I believe. It's a lot of fruit of cult. It's a lot of uh, put down and, I don't know, something contrived ministry. It isn't exactly healthy. That made me want to study Jesus ministry and organic, and that's what we're doing now. So we're pro these people. We're pro these poor me people, but, you know, they don't know what. I guess they had bad childhoods. That's all I can say. They must have had bad childhoods, and I didn't. All I do is say, "Forgive us all, Father," for we all know not what they do, myself included. But I do do want to go to worship, and this is charismatic, prophetic. I would love to go to worship, but I'm not going to go and be, de- missed, you know, defiled as a prophet. Office. These people have gotten so thorny, thick and they're people, it's the crowds at the bottom and the top, that you can't go in unless they're going to be defiled. What does that mean? They read me. They read you. They they, they occult read you. Like the Salem Witch Trial Spectral evidence. they read you by type, size, age, gender, and then either you're in the click or you're not, and I think that's dysfunctional. I think that's performance. I think that's pitiful because it's not organic. It is hysterical if you think about it, but it's bad. All right. So Monsanto bought up the crop that made the wheat and they injected the wheat with hormones so that it spread out around the land, made of money. And then it infected the people, the everyday grass people, and everybody put on weight. There was some book about that a few years ago, about the man who wrote about the wheat diet or something in America. I happened to hear him on TV or online and you said how that the wheat additives cause everybody to want more calories like two hundred and sixty five calories a day, which is added to the weight problem so there are downsides really downsides and legalistic downsides of additives in your messages in your doctrine, your pool of ministry, which is a subculture the subculture affects your mind will and emotions, your human soul, if it's got drama if it's got dark emotional intrigue nobody's forthright nobody's uh, you know they're praying against you i mean this has been a discovery of discovery you will not believe it and i I live to talk about it and have joy thank god for good people thank god for word of faith a lot of the faith people have kept me you know the faith core doctrines But for all it got all famous and everything It keep me joyful it was like my you know happy forgiving uh Walking by faith, not by sight. Not poor me. Work on your own self first. And then I remember my parents, the Baptists, and all the people, Methodists, and Presbyterians, and Catholics I meet. And listen, I have a thing for Catholics. Catholics, and I've always hit it off. I don't know. They make me need to grow more to be more like them, to be more loving and more, what is the word, servant leader, but also they are very open to many people. They're used to gathering in, I don't know, selflessness. It really helps me to see their ability to relate to a lot of people very well and meet it very humbly, and I honor that. So there are many good people. Nobody's saved unless God has saved them, and nobody knows who really saved is not. African Americans have always liked me. I've always liked them. We've always hit it off. I've never had a problem. Frankly, nobody has ever tr- made me... Feel unrespected, except LP. Not even, I hit it off with h- Hindus, Buddhists, people who don't go to church. I've dealt with a lot of people out on the front lines. Gay community. I've never had anyone disrespect me to my knowledge because I'm always open to respecting. I respect people like Jesus would respect them in the office of every human made in God's image. I'm always out there, whether you're a liberal, whether you're a Republican. Liberals and I hit it off very well also. I enjoy people who are on fire for their cause, who are passionate, lot lukewarm, not trying to soak me for their dollars, but who are really meaning it in their passion for what they've got. They believe and I want God to let them know if what I say is true, if I'm you know, if and I don't say anything. I just think respect, knowing I'm a Christian, is the thing right now. So we are pro you <clears throat> pro you. Even if I mentioned that you've done evil eye or do all this stuff, hey it doesn't matter. We forgive you. And we have forgiven you. I wouldn't even talk about it now if they didn't keep on doing it. If they didn't sow disrespect to the audience when they showed up just to, just to worship the Lord. That's why we're trying to read them the um, reproving. We're reproving. In my final closing of this message, I would say to the Christian minister, leader, parent, prophet, apostle, ma'am and her and whomever else, black and white. I would say, get out your Bible. Two things. One, get at your Bible and teach your people and yourself not to resemble the from such turn away fellowship that Paul mentioned that would be prevalent in the last days. 2 Timothy 3, 1-5. through five, Go through each list of that long list and make sure you're not like that. Tell your people. The second would be, don't be First Timothy 6, 5, the other from such turn away fellowship, measuring people by their money. Big shots who think, you know what, you're not blessed unless you got money. The last thing would be this, and let's close on this, Jesus. Let's go back to Jesus. Let's really go back to Jesus. Understand Jesus, not the big boss, not all this class stuff, not all this crapology. Let's go back to Jesus. All right. Even if you get nothing else and you do nothing else out of this whole message or anything I do, anybody, anywhere, forever... I would like for you to please get your Bible out somewhere. Take time and read Jesus Christ when he was alive in ministry and real life with his mom, the family, the people of the area, all kinds. And I would like you to read Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John when he was alive through the eyes of his relationships. How he acted. And how he reacted with every single person mentioned, and then you do the same, and we'll all be okay. The country will be the the community of Christians will be reformed. It will be a transformed community, and it will start to be a witness, a wholesome, healthy witness, and happy witness to the society around it. God bless you. Now train your children as well, and get people who never go to church. Don't ask them. Just say, read it. They don't have to go to church to get it. God will teach them. Maybe they'll found a movement and teach up their own ministry. That's what we're trying to get anybody to do this. Everybody, anywhere, churches or not, over a church, under a church, around a church, or never want to go again. It's about Jesus. That's all this is. I love you. God bless you. He loves you. This is Tavo DRC signing off for now.